Welcome to the Wealthier Together podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to help women cultivate wellness in all areas of their lives. Ellie Hang Tran is the founder and formulator of Skin Probiotics. As a trained scientist and attorney, she approaches every problem looking for its root cause or causes. The problem that spurred her to develop and pat- their patent-pending skin probiotics was her young children's eczema and milk allergies. She had to find and eliminate the cause of their discomfort, not just prohibit them from enjoying life and subject them to treatments and diets to keep the symptoms from making them miserable. After nine years of research and running a raw dairy farm and farm store, which served thousands of Houstonians in Texas, her husband and her and her husband unraveled the root causes of most modern ailments and discovered how to restore the body's ability to function properly so that disease symptoms disappeared and clients no longer needed conventional or alternative treatments. The foundation of restored healthy functioning, the foundation of restored healthy functioning is hydration and mineral salt, tradition, traditional nutrition, and beneficial bacteria. Of course, emotional health also plays a significant role. She found out that beneficial bacteria, which are probiotics, were so powerful, were a powerful part of the foundation that she fell in love with it. And actually, without beneficial bacteria, we would not be alive. Trillions of beneficial bacteria live in and on our body and play a vital role in keeping us alive and healthy. And this includes preventing harmful bacteria from making us sick. The lack of beneficial bacteria is what allows the harmful bacteria to make us sick and cause us to have a variety of different health issues. Their patent-pending skin probiotics was born. It helps patient's skin balance and repair itself. Within a short time of use, the skin's microbiome becomes healthy and resilient, thus free of acne, eczema, premature aging, and inflammation. So welcome, Ellie. How are you doing today? Good, good, doctor. How are you? I am doing well. So can you tell us a little bit more about your story? I know I touched on it in your bio, but tell us a little bit more about your story. Um, a few, when, when I had my first child, um, I breastfed for 13 months. And when my, you know, when I was no longer able to breastfed, um, I, I started to look at um, food for her. And we tried olive food and she was fine. And then we gave her grocery store milk and she always couldn't keep it down. She'll throw up or spit it back out. So it shows me that she's not able to drink it. So someone told me about goat's milk. So we were able to get goat's milk from the farmer's market. Um, And that kind of started us on wondering if she could have raw milk because we heard that raw milk was better than uh, pasteurized milk. And in Texas, you can only buy raw milk at the point of production, meaning you can only buy it at the farmer's farm. So we uh, visit the farmer's farm uh, to get milk, and we found out that they kept their goats in a pen and just fed them pellets when they had had all this land. And I asked them, well, you have all this land. Why don't you just let your goat roam around and eat weeds and grass? And they said, oh, it's just too much work to round them up uh, for milking. So I go, okay. <laughs> so I, I pretty much tasted milk from every farmer that's within a one to two hour radius from Houston. And we settled on one farmer and we eventually bought her farm when she told us she was too old and didn't want to deal with farming anymore. And that's how we got started in the raw milk dairy business. We had way too much milk. When we first bought the farm, we had 
oh god close to 40 goats and 12 cows they were they were jersey cows which we found out were the best type of cows because they were an older breed of cows they were smaller and they were bred for cheese making because they have so much cream in their milk mm -hmm. um, versus your black and white cow and um, one day a lady asked me do you have a1 milk or a2 milk i go huh <laughs> what is that <laughs> And that was nine years ago, so I uh, looked it up, and A2 milk is milk from older breeds of cow that do not have a mutation in the casein. So you can actually drink their milk if you have milk allergies. And then A1 type milk is the black and white Holstein cow, which has a mutation in the casein that causes a lot of allergies. Plus, once it's uh, pasteurized and homogenized, delicate structure of the milk gets broken and harder to digest, and it starts to stick to the walls of your stomach lining and become a problem. Versus raw milk, where the delicate milk structure is still intact and globular, where it just goes through the digestive system easily. And it's full of what you would call beneficial bacteria. Now, when we started in 2010, the word probiotic wasn't around yet. Mm -hmm. We just called it cultured milk because I didn't know how else to call it. We would get raw milk kefir grains, which are not really grains at all. They're, they're little cauliflower, spongy forms of bacteria groups. And we would just put it in the milk let it sit out on the counter overnight and the next day it will be bubbling and fizzing and that's real raw milk kefir and we actually have people drink that and within two weeks the gut lining of your stomach will start to normalize and you would have less acid reflux i've had people forego surgery of the stomach and it's and there, there's less pressure, less belching, less. So I think one tablespoon has about 6 billion CFU of raw milk kefir. You can't get that in a pill form at all. Okay, what is a CFU? A colony forming units. So you know, each tablespoon has about 6 billion active colonies. So when you buy a probiotic pill, it'll have a CFU number, and usually it's like 5 million, 1 million but this is in the billions and they're live and we make it fresh on the farm every morning. I tell people it's the cheapest way of getting probiotic in your, in your system. I know it's hard for people to get raw milk, but if you're, if you're lucky enough to be, I think Austin where you are, LaGrange, our, our friend that we buy all of our Jersey cow from Jersey barnyard has raw milk and his is the okay. best. We've since closed our farms of the three floods. Uh, we just couldn't keep it open anymore. It was just too costly. But do visit him every three weeks to get our raw milk, and we freeze some of it and drink some of it. So we can only so we only have to go three times a week. But yeah, it, his milk is really clean. We were the two clean raw dairy farm according to our local state health inspector, um, and we we're still friends. And I still send my customer to him and raw milk. Goat's raw milk is even harder to find than cow's raw milk. And I think I, I told you before, when you buy anything from a farmer, first take a look at the farmer. If the farmer looks healthy, chances are he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you get a farmer that's you know, drinking Diet Coke or eating McDonald's and, and have severe inflammation, you know, it, like a huge gut, then 
you know, he, he doesn't know how to take care of himself. And chances are, if you don't know how to take care of yourself, you probably can't take care of your animals or your land properly either. That's a telltale sign when you talk to a farmer, whether you want to do business or purchase from them is just, just to talk to your farmer. You know, do you spray? Uh, do you use fertilizer? Or how do you rotate your crop? Are your animals all on pastures? Or are they in crates or in a cage? Or, you know, and, and see if you can visit the farm. If a farmer is proud of what he's doing, he'll let you visit his farm because he has nothing to hide. Like we actually opened a farm store right in the middle of our farm. So you, and, and our processing room, it was all glass. You can see us make your yogurt, make your cheese, make your kefir, ferment your vegetable. So everything was completely transparent because we're, we're proud of what we're doing. If a farmer doesn't really tell you anything or let you visit or even give you an address, then, you know, just, just do your research. I think that's important because a lot of people probably don't do their research or they probably don't know what to ask for. Like when you told me about the goat's milk and how that those goats were in cages and eating pellets, I had no idea. I mean, that's very new to me. <laughs> I know a lot of people are trying raw milk and especially goat's milk too. So that those are really good points for people who are looking to step away from the store-bought conventional milk and go for other sources of milk that have more probiotics and are less processed. Right. And, and with goats, I, I know they are like little children. We actually saw, if you, if you can lock a gate with one hand, mm -hmm. if, you're, if your latch is workable with one hand, a goat will figure it out. Oh. And they've escaped and has eaten all my vegetables so many times. So it, it, it's going to be hard to find goat's milk because a lot of people don't want to deal with goats. When you do find one and they do things right, you know, support your, your farmer, purchase from them so they can keep going every season. And, and just, just know your farmers, really talk to them. And you can get a feel that some people are very enthusiastic and explain to you everything. And some people kind of, if they're the middleman, they won't tell you anything because they have no idea how it's grown or how it's raised. But if they are the true farmer and they know what they're doing, they'll love to tell you. I'm, I'm at Farmer's Market around Houston, and I can talk to customer for at least 15, 20 minutes about everything. And sometimes, you know, I have to cut it short because I have other people waiting. But if, if you're enthusiastic, that means you know what you're doing and you're proud of what you're doing. Okay. So are probiotics just for digestion? It used to be thought of it just for digestion, uh, but now there's, the, uh, there's a huge thing about the microbiome, your whole body. Skin is covered with bacteria. Um, when you go through your mother's birth canal, you pick up the first set of bacteria on your skin and in your mouth. Because when you're going through the birth canal and you're gasping for your air for the first time, You'll, that's how you populate your gut with the first set of bacteria. And then what's on your skin, you know, modern day hospital now, they scrub and wash you spotless and hand you back to your mother. But traditionally, all the, the vaginal fluid should be kept on the child for a while. And that's just to populate the skin with the good bacteria. Now, unfortunately, I had children when I was older and both my children were C-section babies. So I'm assuming that's what contributed to their eczema because neither my husband and I have eczema as a history on either side of our family at all. 
So when they take the baby out of the C-section area, out of uh, the abdominal area, and wash your baby clean, your baby pretty much pick up whatever bacteria is on the nurse's hand, on the doctor's hand, and in the hospital environment. So that I'm guessing could be why my kids' skin are out of balance because they were C-section babies. And I've heard that from different moms also where um, one child will have eczema that was a C-section baby and then the other children are vaginal birth and they don't have eczema. So I've, I've done a lot of asking. There was one lady that told me she had twins and one baby went through the birth canal and then they had an issue with the second uh, child and that was a C-section. So between the twin, one had eczema that was the C-section baby and the other one didn't have eczema. So um, I thought that was really interesting and I started to kind of ask people, were your child C-sectioned or mm-hmm. uh, vaginal birth? And I noticed there, there's a little bit of connection there with skin bacteria. And then um, the oral, you know, now people tell us, oh, you know, all these mouthwash with strong antibacterial. So you're killing off all the good bacteria in your mouth also when you use the strong products, scope, alcohol, and all that. We actually just brush our teeth a lot of herbs. So I put herbs with sesame seed oil and mix it with a little bit of peppermint and, and Himalayan pink salt. Mm-hmm. And that's how we brush our teeth and we don't have gum issues or, or, or cavities or anything. It's really, I think it's really interesting how you were talking about the kids when they're born by C-section, they pick up things from the doctors and the nurses, but also in the hospital. We know that the hospital is, I mean, it's sterile, quote unquote, but you don't, you're, you don't want your children or you don't want to pick up anything from the, the hospital. You don't want to pick up any of those organisms. I've heard of people that have gone into the hospital and come out with things that they didn't get. So I have also seen studies that have looked at that, that phenomena where children that are born through vaginal birth don't have the allergies and all of these things that you're talking about, but people that children that were not able to go through the birth canal do. And so I think some people are starting to actually take a sample of the vaginal fluid and then, I guess, try to reintroduce it for the child. Have you heard of that? Yes, there are some doctors that are willing to get a sterile gauze and swab the mother's vaginal area and then wipe it on the newborn if the newborn happened to be C-section and, and even swab the inside the mouth of the newborn. I've heard of doctors starting to do that, but you, it's really hard to find. And if they won't do it, maybe the dad or the husband could do it, just get a, a sterile gauze and swab the area, the vaginal area, and then swab it on the baby and a little bit um, in the, the baby's mouth to mimic what would happen if the baby went through the vaginal canal. And, you know, the doctor will probably stare at you like you're crazy because when I gave birth, I asked him, do not vaccinate my child, do not give my child any kind of hepatitis shots or anything. And the doctors actually looked at me as if I I have, you know, <laughs> I don't know, three heads or something. And one doctor with my second child actually threw the chart down and said, get my name off this chart. I don't want to have anything to do with this crazy woman. And so 
when my husband went to, you know, where they keep all the newborns in this glass room, mm-hmm. we've asked them nothing. Please don't give our children or newborn any shots. And they just routinely with the tray, they were going to give him a bunch of shots. And my husband actually banged on the glass to get the doctor away from our child. And he was really angry. And he, you know, he, he didn't give our son anything. And so it, it's, 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 everything is so routine that if you ask them not to do something, it's almost kind of, they look at you like, what? Are you crazy? And you kind of just have to be brave and, um, and just do it. Because I can tell my children are so healthy compared to my other niece and nephew who are fully vaccinated. And I, I talked to my dad, he's a medical doctor, and he said, I only gave you guys, you know, one handful of vaccines, that's it, when you were really young. And in this country, you, I think the, the latest statistic is you get 70 different shots by the time you're done with high school, which is insane because now your body's completely confused. It, and, and people are keeping their children more sterile. I, I looked at why babies put everything in their mouth when they're young. That is to teach their immune system that, oh, these are just toys. These are things around my house. You know, don't flare up. Don't start an immune response to any of these things. So that's why children crawl around, put everything in their mouths to teach their immune system. And then I also read about why little kids eat boogers. (laughs) And that is... Because your nasal passage is where you first catch a lot of airborne bacteria that comes in. So a lot of kids will pick their nose and eat it. And that's also to teach their immune system. This is what shouldn't be in your system. So, you know, it's, it's being blocked by the nasal passage and the mucus and all that. So there is a reason why almost every little kid pick their nose and eat it. And that just to teach their immune system and you shouldn't yell at your kid. Well, if they're still doing it at 15 and 20, then yeah, you can yell at them. But if they're one, two, three, four, and five, just let them do it. They're just teaching their immune system what's surrounding um, bacteria composition. is. Okay. I think you have a point about parents who want to sterilize everything. If you sterilize everything, you're also going to sterilize the good bacteria. Yes. And then once, you, once you've wiped out the good bacteria, you only have the opportunistic bacteria. So there's nothing to keep them in check. And so, for example, your child is more susceptible to getting a variety of different illnesses more yes. often than other kids who, because I mean, we, when I was young, which was a little bit while ago, like we played outside, we ran through the mud. Like now people are like, no, you can't go through that. But these are normal parts. If you go to other countries, they're not sterilizing like that. The kids are running and playing in the dirt and they're perfectly fine. Yes. So yes. I think it's very, very interesting how yeah. that has been, how that is a big issue here in the United States. Yeah, and my children, we were on the farm. My mom used to go, God, your children are so dirty, and they smell like little goats. Uh, uh (laughs) And my mom, she's a city girl, and and I go, Mom, yeah, we live on a farm. Just going to have to get used to hugging little smelly grandchildren. And she got used to it, and she can tell my children never get sick versus all the other grandchildren who's always got runny nose and allergies. And I teach my children my my children when they were young, I said, bacteria are your good soldier. They're a good soldier in your gut. They're a good soldier in your mouth. They are a good soldier on your skin. 
So the more good soldier you have, the, the less chance of a bad guy, which is, like you said, the opportunistic bacteria from ever getting together and cause a problem. And every time I tell my son to go take a shower or a bath, he's like, mommy, I don't want to wash away all the good bacteria. Just let me keep them. Uh-huh. <laughs> So that's his way of being lazy and not taking a shower. But <laughs> That has become his excuse. Yes. It's like, no, I don't want to wash away the good guys. I go, you got too much. Yeah. <laughs> don't wash them away. <laughs> so why add probiotics to skincare products? A lot of, a lot of us, we, we use a lot of skincare that are made commercially. And all commercial products have preservative in it. And preservatives are meant to kill all the bacteria. That's why you're able to stick your finger in your expensive jar of cream and nothing ever grows in it. And um, I, I used to buy expensive skincare, and now I don't because I read the ingredients. It's all synthetic. Um, one time I had a lip gloss. God, that was probably 10 years, 12 years old. I took it out, no mold, nothing. I showed it to my children. I go, God, this thing has a lot of preservative. Because, you know, you're swabbing it on your lip and you're sticking it back in and pumping it and swab mm-hmm. it some more. So there should be bacteria growth in it. And after 10 years, there's nothing on it. So there's so much preservative in there that when you use conventional lotion, you're killing um, or you're, you're, you're stressing out your natural good bacteria on your skin because the preservative in your skin lotion is actually killing the good bacteria on your skin also. So you're better off just using maybe olive oil on your skin. After you get out of the shower on damp skin, just squirt a little bit of olive oil and rub it all over your skin. So to compensate for you know, the, the imbalance on your skin, I actually culture live bacteria. We actually culture our bacteria with beneficial plants. Like I use a lot of fresh turmeric. We grow our own turmeric. We get organic ginger, organic calendula flowers. We get uh, Canadian ginseng. All of them are live plants. And I culture it with the good bacteria. So what happened is our bacteria break all these nutritious and beneficial plant components down to be more bioavailable. So when you put it on your skin, it's broken down so your skin can absorb it and use it right away. I know that probiotics are big in skincare, but if you get it from a large company, if they're able to incorporate it into a cream or a lotion or into their products, and it has a long shelf life, chances are the bacteria is no longer live or bioavailable because the preservative they put in there will naturally kill all the bacteria, good and bad. We actually sell our probiotics separate in a bottle and then you just mix it with one of our serum or one of our original herbal oil and apply it to your skin. And that's how we're able to keep our probiotic bacteria alive. And we, we actually filed a patent last year on the method of keeping them live and able to ship it to you and have a, a decent shelf life. And you don't have to refrigerate it because these bacteria are supposed to be on your warm skin. So they thrive in, in warm temperature. Oh wow! So all of these expen- all of these brands coming out with probiotic this, probiotic that. If you can spread it on your skin and it has a long shelf life, the bacteria are dead. 
Yes, and they use emulsifier. It's in a lotion. I actually went to a huge Boston microbiome conference, and a lot of the scientists there are backed by huge, huge company, Procter and Gamble, L'Oreal, all of them. And the problem is they can't keep the bacteria alive. So I talked to some of the the, the company owners, and they're like, "Eh, we just throw a yogurt powder in and just call it a day." And then one of the top selling company, I talked to the scientist that was head of the company, and she goes, don't poo-poo on me. That was her exact word. Mm-hmm. I, I use dead bacteria because there's no way of keeping them alive because I have to have a preservative because we have to have a long shelf life. Otherwise, our um, retail outlet would just be returning products left and right. We sell our product direct to you online. So when you order it, Chances are your product was made within two or three days. Within that week is the longest because we're sold out almost every week. So we have to make our product fresh. And that way, when you get it, the bacteria is still active. And we use it to help you with acne on your skin. And I actually, I don't know how many company actually offer you money back guarantee, but I ask that you used all of it. And if it doesn't help your acne or your eczema, just contact me and I'll refund your money. And in four years, we got only one refund request. And, and I tell people, you know, use the whole thing. If it doesn't work, just let me know and I'll give you your money back. And, and you can tell that it works because the good bacteria actually help strengthen your skin. And it lowers the pH of your skin, which is important too. Because if you use a lot of cleansing, cleansing soaps or foaming, that has a high pH and it, it kind of put the pH range of your skin out of balance. So from when you have a one pH different, that's tenfold different. If you go from pH of six to seven, that's tenfold. And then if you go from six to seven to eight, that's a hundredfold because it's 10 times 10. So for your skin, soaps is around pH of God, eight or so, and your skin pH is supposed to be around 5, 4.5 to 5.5. That's a huge difference. That's why if you use a lot of drying soap, when you get out of the shower, your skin feels tight. I haven't had to use lotion for, God, a whole decade, because first of all, I don't bathe every day. I shower probably every fourth day. And my husband always goes, God, you got the softest skin in the world. And because I don't really use a lot of soap. I use soap just in the private area and the rest I just rinse. I have a small little loofah, a really mild loofah sponge that I'll use once in a while, but you don't need to soap down every day. That is just um, putting your, the pH of your skin at the wrong pH. And that's when there's a reason that the skin has an acid mantle. There's a reason why the pH is low it's to prevent foreign bacteria from thriving on your skin. So this, the probiotic we have, it thrives in lower pH. So it matches the pH of your skin. And that way it, it kind of cultivates on your skin and it prevents the, the bad ones from just proliferating. Okay. That's good to know because I don't think many people even think about that or even think about the pH of skin unless they're like an esthetician or they just yeah. know for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just really important. And the reason it's lower, like I said, was 
foreign bacteria from just thriving or otherwise every time you hug a person that's sick you'll you know you'll catch whatever they have on their skin on your skin but the good bacteria on your skin know that that's a foreign bacteria and they secrete their own enzyme or their own stent to actually kill foreign bacteria so basically the thing is take care of your micro the microbiome the bacteria on your skin and they will do their job you don't need any of these extra Nope. Probiotic products where the bacteria are actually dead and cannot really help you. Yeah, so, even even with probiotic pills, I actually contact a lot of big providers. The uh, probiotic you get at, let's say, Whole Foods or your your health food store, uh, not everybody can make these probiotics. So there's only about a few players in the whole United States. So they supply everybody with a custom blend. Okay. The problem with drinking a probiotic pill is you're only getting two or three strain and your whole gut has, oh God, I, I don't even know if they ever figured out how many types you have in your gut, at least thousands of types of bacteria. So if you're taking a pill of, let's just say three types, then you get an overgrowth of three types if they're even alive. Mm -hmm. So it's best to eat food that's local. If you go to a farmer and you get your vegetable, I used to have, we used to have vegetable on our farm and I would go out there, brush off the dirt, give it a quick rinse and eat the carrots or the beets right out of the ground. And I would eat some of the dirt because if you think back in the, the um, hunter and gatherer days, we used to sleep in dirt huts. So you're always close to the ground and you're, you're breathing in the bacteria. You're getting it from the trees, the plants. And then you swim in rivers and lakes. So there's even more bacteria on your skin. And I don't think these people back then run around with acne, eczema, psoriasis, or any of these skin problems because their skin is always in balance. They're not soaping it. They're not scrubbing it. They're not having fluoride and chlorine in the shower water. So we're trying to mimic that by our, our, our skin probiotic is soil-based. So we're trying to mimic what your skin microbiome would be if you were closer to the soil. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And you know, if, if you have, if you have a chance, have a garden and because you're, you're, you're breathing in the good soil bacteria, you're playing around in the dirt, you're getting dirt under your nails and that's super healthy. Even for children, my children, they, you know, they're happier when they're outside. They hate it when they're indoors, stuck in the rain. Um, they're always running around on the farm. They disappear all day and come back in only when they're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like what we used to do when I was young. Yeah, it's, and I, changed. <laughs> it's so funny. I often ask my son, is that dirt or poop or uh -huh. chocolate milk on your face? And he's like, oh, mom, it's probably all three. <laughs> <laughs> So what is the link between our digestion and our skin health? Um, I think you have skin issues when you have a lot of inflammation and you have a lot of inflammation in your gut when it's out of balance. And I, I forgot to touch on how important water is. Water is so basic, so cheap so down low at the totem pole where it costs nothing and we forget about it. Um, but hydration is number one. There's a doctor, Dr. Batman Jolly. Um, I call him Dr. Batman. Um, he, he's, he's written a book 
that's called, you're not sick, you're just thirsty. Uh, don't treat thirst with medication. So in his book, he'll list the top God, 10 or 12 top ailment that could be fixed and prevented with just proper hydration and mineral salt. And you know, it's, it's always too good to be true when I tell people they roll their eyes and then I go, no, just, just go home, try it. On our farm, we used to have a, um, what do we call it? A $6.75 challenge. Mm-hmm. People would come in and they would tell me, I have all these ailments, and I would stare at them. I'd say, no, you don't. You don't have any of those ailments. Oh, but I went to so many specialists. They said, I have this, this, that. I said, stop labeling yourself. You're just out of balance, and this is what you do. You buy this bag of pink salt for $2, and you buy a bottle of my raw milk kefir, and you go home and you drink um, half your weight in ounces of water with a few pinches of pink salt in it. And then you drink two tablespoons of kefir every morning on an empty stomach and skip breakfast. And come back in two weeks, if a lot of your symptoms aren't better, I allow you to call me crazy and I'll refund you your $6.75. And that was like the ongoing thing for, for years. And we never had anyone come back and say, oh, my God, I didn't feel better. Or, oh, my God, my, my joints stopped hurting. My, when you're dehydrated, uh, if you look, for example, your whole spinal column is hydraulic. When you're dehydrated, the, the fluid inside your spinal column is low. Your disc is, is dry. And, and then the spine, um, the, the, oh, gosh. I don't have all the technical term, but your spinal discs start rubbing up against each other and then you get back pain. But when you're hydrated, the whole spinal column is full. It's full of liquid and it's hydrated and you're walking around. It's able to cushion all the, all your weight, all your pounding when you're running and jumping. So you don't get the pain. And we, we, always forget to drink water. I even forget. So I usually set out three or four bottles of water equal to half my weight in ounces. And halfway through the day, I should be done with half of the amount of bottles I set on the counter. And then the other half of the day, I have to drink the rest. If you get into the habit of that and you look up uh, Himalayan salt sole, where you just dissolve your Himalayan salt in a pitch, in a in some water, and then just apply that or, or put a few teaspoons of this salty solution into your water, then that'll remineralize your water so you hydrate better. It's kind of like giving yourself an IV in a, in a way, because an IV is basically salt water with minerals in it. So, um, and they give you that when you're in shock. So if you do this every day, your, your body will just be properly hydrated. And in the book, he'll explain in medical term and, in, and also just layman term of how hydration help prevent these disease. This doctor lecture all over the world to different doctors and nobody ever implemented it because it's free. It's like mm-hmm. $2 of salt and a bunch of water and you, you can't make much money off of that. So I always tell people do my water challenge and then just eat some either raw milk kefir, kimchi, some kind of life probiotic, like now kombucha is available in almost every grocery store. Have some of that, have some kimchi, which is also available in almost every grocery store now. And just incorporate that into your life and and you don't have a lot of health issues. It's really cheap. 
That's very true. So I think you've touched on this, but how can probiotics help with skin conditions? I can pretty much only speak for myself. I think as of right now, our company and Mother Dirt is the only two companies that actually use live bacteria for the skin. Mm -hmm. I, know I, I spoke to Mother Dirt at the conference and they're having issues of, because what they did was they patent one type of bacteria, which to me, if you have too much of one type of bacteria, it could be a problem because there's thousands of bacteria on your skin. So with our product, we kind of cultivate wild um, and we, we do two, um, like we'll culture and then we do a, a second fermentation to make sure that there's no bad bacteria in the batch at all. Okay. Um, but we're the only two company using live bacteria as, as far as I know, I've researched this before I filed my patent. Well, to me, the, the good bacteria cultivated and it's, it's in a low pH environment. So when you apply it to the skin, it actually have your skin at the pH of 4.5 to 5. Um, Cause that's what we cultivate the product at. So it'll lower the pH of your skin and keep it balanced. And then the good bacteria also break down all the nutrient that's in the serum that we give you. And that way you feed your skin at the same time. And when your skin is fed with things it can use, then it can make its own collagen. It's more, it's just like your body. If you feed it right, it can repair itself. Mm -hmm. So feed your skin properly, it can repair itself. And most of the time, we're just helping your skin. Our product helps your skin do what it's supposed to do. It's not handicapping it. And then I have so many people ask me, yeah, but then, you know, people don't have eczema anymore and they don't have acne anymore, so they only buy from you once. I said, that's okay, because they'll be so happy they'll refer a customer to me. We never spent any advertisement dollar yet. It's all referral for the past few years. And we're okay. We're making a decent living from it, and it's all from referral. And from customers, sometimes when they're done, they buy it for friends and family that have skin issues. And that's how we've been growing organically. Okay. I've heard of Mother Dirt. And mm -hmm. I, I knew they, I didn't know that they only patented one strain though, but I did see like some of their reviews. So that's pretty good, I think. And again, like you were talking about that you have multiple strains. Again, like people who are, people who get sick more often and they're, they're, various number of studies. I don't know them off the top of my head. I can't remember them, but they've shown that people who have more diverse, a more diverse microbiome are the people that don't get sick all the time. So they yes. have a variety of different strains. And I know there's a study they did on athletes that ate plant-based diets and they had all sorts of foundational strains that the common American does not have mm -hmm. just due to lack of activity, due to crappy eating habits, not sleeping. So it's really interesting to see these, you know, studies and see how, you know, diet definitely impacts the diversity of your microbiome and also how just staying active and other of their other factors that affect it. But at the end of the day, the more diverse your bacteria, whether it's on your skin or your digestive tract, the healthier you are. Yes, yes. And I think there was one study on eczema. I think they found that people with eczema and psoriasis were missing certain types of bacteria or they have lower uh, variety of bacteria on their skin. And, and I think that goes back to just sanitizing everything. Uh, in the home, we, when, when my kids were growing up 
And we, we didn't live on the farm because it, it, it was just too crazy. We needed time off the farm. So we kind of rent a house nearby. But both my children, I got them puppies because the dog will go outside and step in the grass, step in the pollen and everything. And if you live in a city, have a puppy for your children because they bring the outdoor in and that'll inoculate your children with the whole variety of pollens and bacterias and you know, all kinds of things. And, and just expose them to things when they're young. And when they get older, they have such diversity in their microbiome that they're able to handle everything. You know, the only time I would use a hand sanitizer is maybe at the airport. <laughs> or if I'm in a foreign country, like I was in Vietnam, I, I probably would use a hand, san hand sanitizer there. But even then, I didn't. And it, it's just, you know... You, at an early age, you should expose your, your children to a lot of things. And back then when we had the farm, I was scared that city children come in, you know, God, what if they pick up something from my cats and dogs on the farm? But then I had moms that come and say, please, can my children pet the goats and pet the dogs? <laughs> uh, just to pick up some bacteria from a farm. And then we have regulars that's just begging us to let them play with the baby goats and the baby cows. and, and and all the farm animals. And over time, I was okay with it. At first, I was like, oh my God, if a kid gets sick, I'm gonna get sued. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody did, because if they traveled that far, that long, because we're pretty much about 45 minutes from the center of Houston, if you bother to drive 45 minutes out to see me, you're not gonna look for something to sue me about. You're, you're actually coming looking for answers on how to get your children and your family healthy. And I, I uh, this is a real touchy, touching story. I had a lady, she came in with a little baby and, and um, I, I, she, the baby didn't look like her at all. It completely did not look like her. And it was very frail and sickly. And she had a beat up car, but she came every week and was able to buy the milk and the raw kefir for her baby. And her baby was the same age as my second uh, child. And then years later, I see her child running around playing with my child. And I go, okay, I gotta ask you, your baby doesn't look like you at all. <laughs> and she's, and, you know, it was kind of rude of me, maybe, but it was just killing me year after year. I was like, the baby doesn't look like her. And she never bring a husband. So I, I assume she was single. She goes, no, I adopted the baby, the baby addicted to crack, and it was abandoned. And so she adopted the baby. And she said, thanks to your milk and your kefir, I got him healthy. I got him to full weight because he was malnourished and underweight. And that's a common story. I had a lady that traveled from Dallas to Houston every three weeks to get milk. And I go, wow, that's a long drive to get milk. She's like, my child is autistic. But when he drinks the raw milk and eat the clean meats and everything, I'm starting to get cognitive function back. And for the first time I got eye contact and the child actually said, mama, what's for breakfast? And he had not spoken in a long time. And so she said to me, it is worth the drive because it's curing, not curing, but it was like medicine for my child. So you get tons of story from people driving from Louisiana, from nearby state just to get milk from us because we were the biggest raw dairy back then. Wow. That's really, that's really amazing. I know that 
there, I think studies have shown that people that have pets do have more diverse microbiomes. Yes. So whether it's a dog or whatever, like I think, I guess the more pets, the merrier, the microbiome. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that despite all this research on the microbiome, there are just so many things that affect it that we don't even know, like the way things are processed, certain food additives and preservatives are anti antimicrobial and are killing. So if someone, let's say someone's taking a probiotic or whatever, and they are also, you know, eating, I guess, junk, junk food that has a lot of preservatives. I mean, like how effective is that if those preservatives have antimicrobial properties? So it's everywhere though. Like, again, like with all these probiotics, I've noticed it. As soon as people started talking about microbiome, and then there were a couple of people that were talking about the microbiome in the skin and the gut and skin connection, and then everyone was calling them crazy. Now, probiotics or dead probiotics are in every possible product that you can possibly think of. So I think it's, I don't know, I, I think for people that are not aware, this is overwhelming. Um, when you buy probiotics from the store, I know, because I called up these companies. Mm -hmm. So let's say if it's a 10 million CFU or something, that's what they started at the factory. So they are able to list what they started at the factory. Then it goes into a pill form. Then it goes into a bottle. Then it goes into a crate. Then it goes through several hand. It goes to a distributor, then to a wholesaler, then to a, a local distributor. And by the time it get on your shelf, it's already eight months in transit. I don't know about you, but a dormant bacteria may wake up, may not wake up. If it's in a pill form, I don't know how long it'll stay alive. So by the time you drink it, it the bacteria is so weak that your stomach acid will probably just kill it. So if you get one in the refrigerated section, maybe it's a liquid form because at least that bacteria have some kind of nutrient to, to cultivate itself in. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the pill form, the powder form, I think. Um, it's probably dead. I see them sprinkled in dog food and everything. Even mm -hmm. our pets, our dog gets raw meat from our farm, now from our friend's farm, and it gets raw milk with, with its food in the morning, it gets raw eggs. Our dogs don't even go to the vet. They never get sick, and their teeth is so clean and healthy because they chew on bones all day long. I save different parts of the animals for them to chew on. And people always go, oh, my God, my dog would choke on that. I go, well, your dog's a city dog. It only get milk bones, which is just, I don't know, <laughs> corn, wheat, and sugar, probably in color. And people shouldn't be scared when they get a puppy to maybe start it on a, um, you know, a little chewing bone or, or something, just so it can get the exercise and the teeth are healthy and um, incorporate a little bit of just I think it's, if, if the human food, good quality human food is good for you, it's good. It's okay for your dog. I don't think you have to buy these expensive dog food, which if you watch on Netflix, I believe, there's a documentary called Pet Fooled, and it shows you how the dog food industry make dog food. Because I know when we process our cow, our pigs, um, or our goats, Whatever's left over, the skin, the hooves, the whatever part we don't want goes into this stinky bin that sits outside. Then this big dump truck comes by every few days and get it where there's flies and maggots all over it. 
Then they take it to a processing plant where they cook that all down and make pet food. So, you know, it, I, I cringe whenever, you know, these companies sell these expensive dog food, expensive dog food, cheap dog food. They're, they're pretty much come from the same manufacturing. If you look at it, the, all the, the pieces look exactly the same. If you look at the ingredients, some of the dog food company all have the same ingredient. So I give our dogs food that we're willing to eat. And our dogs are always healthy because they're on the farm. They got to, you know, fight off the coyote, fight off the fox so the fox don't steal our hens and, and things like that. And they're always healthy. So even our pets are getting sick and they're bombarded with vaccines also. Oh my God, we adopted two little dogs and they vaccinate the heck out of those two little dogs. We're constantly calling us, oh, your dog need more vaccine. I go, no, my dog does not need any more vaccine. I'm never bringing my dog to get them vaccinated. You know, and they're, they're treating our pets like a money-cranking machine also. But they are, because now, like, cats and dogs are getting diabetes. I'm like, where in the wild did the cat or dog... And I don't have pets. So I'm just like, how? How? Like, I'm confused. Like, yes. in the wild, I don't think they have diabetes and that's just disgusting so they're feeding them spoiled food yes that's just yes. repulsive yeah <laughs> uh, i had a, a microbiology teacher when i was in chiropractic college and he actually did this experiment where he tested the different yogurts to test to he so he had not um he had the petri dish and he knock a lot inoculated several of the petri dishes to test how many because you know people are like oh there's so many live cultures in the yogurt mm -hmm. and there was only one brand that actually had live cultures like the rest of them were dead and i was like this is just a big wow. hoax this is a yeah. hoax. <laughs> it, it, you know um there's a rule at our house we don't buy anything from publicly traded companies we only buy things from small companies and then even then you have to check up on the small company because they they get bought out by bigger company um so that's how we shop if we have to go to the grocery store we only buy from small small brands that really care and we look at the ingredient list otherwise we just support our local farmers market farmers and even then i'm kind of picky i got to get to know the farmer before i purchase from them because it is expensive at the farmers market and yeah and Sometimes I look at it, half the vendors are cupcakes. I go, what? <laughs> this is supposed to be healthy. Why are we selling so many cupcakes? And those are the ones that have a line at their booth. And here I am selling eggs and chicken meat and chicken feet. <laughs> I have a shorter line than the cupcake guy. And, yeah. and you just have to be careful. Like we were getting, we were across from a booth that had barbecue meat. And so my husband wanted to support the guy. So he went and bought some stuff and we're like, oh, where do you get your meat? Oh, we get them at the auction. And usually with all farmers, we know you only take your animals to the auction if they're sickly. And so if you get them, if you get an animal from the auction, chances are it's a sick animal. And of course, that night we all had diarrhea from the food. And so you, you do have to really... Um, if you're shopping at the farmer's market to check it out and at grocery store only buy from you know don't buy from big publicly traded company and you got to look in the back and uh, be very careful because all the big guys have bought out all the organic mom and pops by now 
just That's so true. and they run the regulation uh, my husband used to be a he, he's a former lobbyist in boston and you know it, it you can you can get the government to do almost anything if you contribute enough to to their campaigns i believe so, it yeah so even the usda uh, organic emblem we had a friend that had to jump through so many hoops to get it but then you know they allow you so many things that you can spray on your land so even that when people come to our farm we we tell them we're beyond organic go look in our barn we actually have nosy customer that go through our barn and look at everything and we go here here's our barn you can go in there and look <laughs> and this is where we make everything you can come in and look and um when you're transparent that means you're doing things right i think we had a bunch of students that always come every year to our farm to do reports and stories and they say you're the only farmer that let us through the gate nobody else let us through and see how they raise the chicken or how they raise the pig or anything i say yeah they don't want you to see what's going on behind closed door at all and yeah. when, you, when you eat a factory animal if you ever watch some of the documentary, they're going through a line. They know they're going to get killed. So the stress hormone is pumping through their body and pumping through the meat. Um, I have friends that tell me when they eat steak at fancy restaurant late at night, they all have nightmares. And for the longest time, I didn't know why. I go, yeah, because the animal's having um, stress hormone pumped through their whole body. When we process our chicken, uh, we used to do it on the farm, and then the state inspector would go, you can't process your own animal. And I go, what? What kind of crap is that? And we found out that Tyson came into Texas and bought out every small processing plant for poultry. And then uh, when they bought them all out, they pour cement down the drain so it can never be turned back on again. So if you ever want your chicken to be processed, you got to go to Tyson or one of their big, big um, processing plant so they could corner the whole market. Luckily, one of our friend has his own butcher shop that's been grandfathered in, so we bring all our animal to him to get processed, and it's done humanely with the state inspector there where the animals aren't trucked anywhere. We basically raised them on a property next to the, um, the butcher shop, and they just get walked over where they don't even know that they're getting processed, so there's no stress hormone in the meat at all. This is really important because I like some of these things you're telling me. I was not aware of this. I just I didn't know. I mean, I knew that big business is buying out all organic. I'm I'm aware of that because organic and healthy and natural, whatever that really is supposed to mean, is big money now. Yes. And so now I can see why people are going vegan and vegetarian. Yes. I it's just horrible. I can't even. I think even if you're you're a vegetarian or vegan, you'll have to add a little bit of animal product, like maybe just eggs. If you if you can get a farmer that raised their hen naturally, you can get eggs into your diet because I think there are some nutrient that you can't get just completely plant based. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of health gurus that used to be 100% plant based are starting to add raw milk back into their diet and eggs into their diet and once in a while a little bit of grass-fed meat just to get some of the nutrition in so you know if, if and it just just make sure you know the farmer because we you know when we were processing our own chicken my daughter she was five and I didn't want her to see how a chicken got killed but 
my 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 husband said it's part of life. She, it's okay for her to look at it. And so she'll pet a little chicken, not a little, but she'll pet a chicken before we process it. And she'll say, oh, little chicken, don't be scared. You're going to become a butterfly. She think everything dies and becomes a butterfly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, and when, when we process our animal, it's quick. Uh, they don't know it's coming. And, and when an animal give up its life to feed and nourish you, you give it the best life you could. You know, all of our animal just runs free. We don't cage them. They do go into their coop at night because we have foxes and um, cougars um, on our prop that, that's on the outskirt of our property. So at night they do go into their coop and, and as soon as sun rises, they go back out all day. And, and our dogs keep an eye on them to make sure that they don't get taken by hawks or or any big animals. Wow. This is, this has been very informative. So <laughs> number one, don't, when you go to the farmer's market, don't assume that everything has been, the animals have been raised humanely. Don't assume that the animals are not sick before they got to the farmer's market. Don't assume that the milk is properly processed or that the goats are properly raised, allowed to wander instead of being caged. This is just, wow. <laughs> and wow. There are, there are good farmers. Uh, and there, there, there are farmers that are doing it right. Um, so you just need to talk to them and you can tell when they're so enthusiastic and you look at the farmer and he or she looks healthy. They're, okay. they're average weight. They don't have, you know, red rashes all over their body because they're not inflamed and they're not full of toxin because your body will push the toxin to the skin. If they can't, if it can't sweat and excrete it out. So yeah, just, just talk to your farmer and, and just don't be scared to ask some of the hard question and they should stare at you in the eye and answer you and not look away. And then when you find a good one, oh my goodness, support that farmer as much as you can send your friends to them because that's how you keep those honest people in business. Yes. Yes. Because it's really hard. I mean, three, yeah. four knocked us out and we were the biggest raw dairy one of the biggest and just from the three constant flood in houston we were wiped out and we just couldn't come back it was just too costly so yeah support the the little guys and vote with your dollars what is the do you what is the name of the farm that you said was in lagrange again just in case Um, listeners who are in the area jersey barnyard okay and tell him Ellie at Grauman Farm send you because we've been friends forever. <laughs> He's the one that taught us how to milk a cow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Put it this way, we were, we were living in a high rise and then overnight we rent a trailer next to the milking barn and started milking cows and goats. And my husband was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and of course we lost a lot of friends, but then they weren't true friends if they couldn't come to, <laughs> to visit us. People are interesting. That's all I'll say. People are interesting. (laughs) So the last question is, what is the link between autoimmune conditions and skin health? You know, my father, he's a medical doctor for the longest time since the 50s and 60s. I used to do, I'm pretty old. I used to do all his billings for him because I'm the only one that can read his handwriting. (laughs) We, We didn't have all these autoimmune disease. And I think it's, it's, it's all stemming from just 
highly processed food, over-vaccination, just a more toxic world, and our animals are raised in a more toxic condition. And then your body has all these toxins, and like I said, it either got excreted out through sweat, through urine, through fecal matter, or it's got to push it through the pores of the skin. And so when you have, when your body goes haywire and you're not giving it water, water is kind of like a great, you know, how everything's beautiful after a long rain. Water just, just clean you and nourish you and replenish you. There's actually a documentary, I know I'm full of documentary, on Netflix, water is one of those, those elements that it, water contains so much information, it contains so much life in it that it, it can reset, you know, you, you notice after a long rain, lightning and thunder, all the birds are out chirping. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, Everything is reset. Mother Nature is completely cleansed and reset. And we forget to drink water. And when we don't drink enough water, we don't clean out our body. Our body gets all congested and inflamed. And then you get all these symptoms and doctors don't know. And so they start to throw everything in the autoimmune category. Back then when I was doing all the billing, I never seen my dad even use the word autoimmune. There was no Crohn's disease. There was no leaky gut, no autism. So for decades, there weren't any of these. These things were all just the past two or three decades. It's it's just how we mistreat our body and don't keep it clean. And you just kind of have to step back and and simplify your life. You know, like in in my bio, I never wanted to subject my kids to gluten-free, dairy-free, any of those free. Eventually, what are you going to eat? cardboard <laughs> you know you can't eat meat you can't eat um, dairy you can't eat there's, there's nothing left to eat and I see all these people when they go to a restaurant oh you know can you make my food like this like that there's nothing left to enjoy and I didn't want to subject my children to that so I heal their gut and I heal their body early on so they don't have to go through this they're not like my niece and nephew where they you know they go around with an EpiPen because they never know when they'll go, their whole body goes into shock. So, you know, if you, if you kind of just step back, hydrate is number one. Hydrate with some mineral salt. We only cook and use pink Himalayan salt. We don't use table salt at all. And then cut out sugar. Sugar is just, oh God, it's one of those things where it's so addictive and so damaging to the body. I think it, sugar is even more addictive than cocaine. They've done so many tests on that. Um, And high fructose corn syrup, it's even worse. So, and that's in everything now. Um, You can't even escape that. They purposely put these beautiful, colorful food right at eye level. Children, when, when I'm really nosy, when I go shopping, if I see a screaming kid, I always look in the cart and I see all these junk food. And it it really mess up a child. Like my, my both kids, Neither of them ever thrown a tantrum in their whole life. No kicking, no screaming ever. And not that we spank our kid or, or mean to our kid that they don't. It's just they never have to get to that stage because they're always just calm. And when you feed your children with all these colorful foods with dyes and preservative, their body goes out of haywire and then they're diagnosed with hyperactivity, ADHD, which is all just to sell more drugs. 
if you just feed your children correctly, fresh food, I, I'm busy. I run a, a skincare company, I run a farm, and I still cook three meals a day for my children. It's, 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 it takes some work, but they don't have to suffer. They can eat anything they want except fast food. They've never been to a fast food restaurant in their whole life. And if, if, you, if you do it right, then they have a lifetime of ease when it comes to food. They're not obese. They don't have to ever go to Weight Watchers. They don't, I mean, I rarely exercise. And I think that notion of eat whatever you want, you can always burn it off. No, <laughs> exercise, I don't think human were meant to be on a treadmill and jogging and all this every day for hours and hours. It's good to be active. It's good to exercise maybe two or three times a week, but not, you know, hit the gym all the time and, and try to burn off these calories because, you know, not all calories are the same. And I stopped looking at calorie. I just look at the ingredients. You can eat a slab of bacon from a pasture-raised pig, which is healthier than a Weight Watchers bar of granola, chocolate, something they have. And I don't think anybody on Weight Watcher ever kept it off either. Otherwise, they wouldn't make money off of you every year. Yeah, I think that our society is trying to replace things that we had before. So before, people had work that required a lot more movement. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't have to go to the gym because why would you go to the gym if you're moving throughout the day, right? So now everyone's sitting in front of their computer and no one goes outside ever other than to go into their car and then start driving and sit in traffic for who knows how long. So now people have to go to the gym. But yeah. if you are active throughout the day, why would you be going to the gym? Right. And so we're replacing that normal activity with gym time because no one is doing normal activity. Mm. <laughs> That's true. The same thing with food. And I think it's almost uh, better to eat right than to eat wrong and keep on exercising. If you eat right, you really don't need to exercise. You just need to be kind of moving, active. So eating is actually more important than exercise. It is. It's about 80%. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, once you take care of that, and then, of course, stress management and sleep, because if not, your eating will go off, because if you don't get enough sleep, you're too much cortisol, appetite hormones go out of whack, insulin... Yeah all that stuff. But for the most part, it's, it's mostly what you eat. I see people eating crap and then being in the gym all day. And I'm just like, this is not, this will work for now. But when you get older, your body is going to quit. Like our bodies are resilient, but you can only push them so far. Right. I mean, frankly, you can only push them so far before they decide, you know, you've been doing this to me for however many years, you know, and, I, and I something happens. And I think you can apply the same to your skin. I see people go get peels, go get lasers, go get all these things to speed up cell turnover. If you think logically, if you're speeding up cell turnover as what 99.99% .99 of the skincare companies are telling you, oh, speed up cell turnover, have a more youthful look. Speed up cell turnover is speed up aging. Every time a cell divide and the, the, the cell split and divide, you lose a little bit of DNA information. You study about telomeres, the ends of the DNA unravel and it gets shorter. So if your cells divide often and they die faster, then you're aging faster. 
like I always tell people my skincare is about feed and nourish the cell so it stays alive longer and you get slower cell division because your cells are living longer and that way you age a lot slower so if you notice people that go get a lot of laser peels and procedure done to their face they look good for a few months and then over time they just look very old their skin become translucent and thin and sensitive when i'm selling my product i always tell people come up and poke my face with your finger my i'm a, i'm 52 and i have no sagging skin no wrinkle and when you poke my skin it bounces right back and it's very thick and firm it's because I feed my skin and I don't mess with it with any kind of peels or laser or surgery or anything. And I'm on a farm, so I'm exposed to the elements all the time. And I still manage to have good skin because I feed it right with, with well, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own skincare line, but we use bacteria to break everything down so your skin can use it instantly in the deeper layers. So same same thing you can say about your skin is don't abuse it just feed it right and it'll, it'll it'll take care of you for years and years to come that's true like we were talking about diet a lot of people eat eat horribly or they smoke or some sort of yes they participate <laughs> in some sort of activity that just really jacks up their skin and you can see it yes. either they have ridiculous amount of stress because stress will do that or they are smoking which that will that just destroys the whole body over a period of time it's just and the thing is that people don't connect i don't think that people are aware that there's a connection between all of these things no and and i think because like in medical school in science they compartmentalize everything they don't think that your mental health your emotional health is linked completely to your body and you know, right now I'm huge on your emotion. I, tr I meditate twice a day just to calm my brain down, to get it to stop thinking and just relax a bit. Because when your brain is overwhelmed, if you think about it, you think about almost the same thing every day. You worry about your bills, you worry about deadlines, you worry about, what am I gonna eat for lunch? Oh my God, I'm gluten-free, I can't go eat at this restaurant, that restaurant. So you think about the same thing day in, day out. So you have no room in your brain to be creative and think beyond because there's no room left. Mm -hmm. So meditation just calms the brain down and slow it down, slow everything down. So then you make more room, more creative thinking and just be able to use your brain if more effectively. And, and I think you know, a lot of people should look into meditation. And I'm not just saying sit there and try to quiet your brain, but there's a lot of guided meditation you can do. And they're simple and they're easy and they'll just kind of calm you down a bit. I agree. Emotional health is the foundation to all the rest. Yes. Like people that have emotional eating or people that are obese, these things are tied to our emotions. And in our culture, since, you know, we can watch a movie and, you know, someone can go through a trauma and be over it in five minutes, we think that that's normal. That's not normal. Your, your emotions affect your behaviors, the patterns that you, you, that you develop, and then your decisions, whether it's for eating or exercising five days a week without stopping, all of these things are tied to our emotional health. And when people take care of that, everything else becomes more effective. And right. it's kind of ridiculous. Everything else falls in line. 
right? I've, I've dealt with people with severe psoriasis where it's so painful they can't even work. They're on disability. Mm-hmm. And I actually, we tried everything, nothing worked. And I actually went back and go, when did this first start it? And it's usually with an emotional trauma. And when, when I tell them just let go, forgive that person or let's work on this, their symptoms and their, their itchiness and their crustiness on their skin started to go away and the redness and the inflammation. And, and you're surprised because they go, I've gone to every doctor for 30 years. No one can fix me. They got me on steroids, on antibiotic, on everything. And it gets down to you can't fix all the emotion with drugs. So you have to be able to pinpoint where um, did all this happen to the patient. I agree. I definitely agree. Even with like cancer or autoimmune conditions, there's always an emotional trigger. And I'm not really sure why, why the medical field ignores it because <laughs> there are counselors and people that can walk people through this. These are services that are provided, but I'm not sure why they don't address that. There's always, almost always an emotional trigger, either some sort of trauma, something from childhood that someone didn't let go of. Usually it's unforgiveness, but that's a whole nother thing. So I, I definitely agree. People, it's, it's very, no, people don't look at it. And like the last couple interviews I did before yours, that's exactly what they were talking about. Making sure you experience your emotions regardless of what they are, because if not, it comes back and Mm -hmm. it forms patterns. And so I definitely think that that is, once people take care of that, I think everything else falls in line. And I think one book we use a lot is Louise Hayes' book, Can Heal Your Life. Mm -hmm. Um, So Louise Hayes, uh, are you familiar with her work? I am. Okay. Yeah, we, we have that book on the farm also. Whenever we can't figure out what could be causing an ailment, we go, okay, it's the emotion. And it used to be joked about that my husband make two or three women cry every week, is be able to work backward and pinpoint the time when they have an emotional trauma. And he gets them to release. And when they release, you know, tears just come out and and then they come back and said, you know what? That pain went away. After decades of dealing with this pain, it went away. We see that so often. A lady had a, a, a angry growth on the middle of her face, right on her nose. She was so embarrassed by it. We hired her as an employee because she was a customer. And she loved working, but she won't work the front of the store where people would see her angry red patch. And we tried everything, nothing worked. And I go, okay, who are you angry at? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, my ex-husband, blah, 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 blah. I go, how long have you been divorced? Oh, it's been like eight years. I go, he's moved on. Let <laughs> it go. On that. And, you know, within days, that angry red, red growth on her face started to crust, peel, and fell off. And we tried a whole year, everything, nothing worked. And that's when she's like, oh, my God, I want to work for free for you. I said, no, I don't want you to work for free. We'll pay you. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there, there's, there's just an, in Louise Hayes' book, you can look up things that if you can't pinpoint what could be causing it, it might link to an emotion. And in the back of the book, we're always looking it up. And um, most of the time it's true. And we work on releasing that. And then the pain goes away. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it. That's. I definitely agree. So many people just don't realize that connection between the mind and body. It's connected. 
and yeah. everyone expresses it differently. So people, I guess maybe they, they think that everyone will have the same symptoms. No, we're all very different. So it's interesting how it, those emotions present in different people in different ways and different symptoms and conditions. Yes, yes. And, and yeah, and, and I feel bad because sometimes doctors, they have a room full of patients waiting, so they only can allocate maybe five minutes, you know, six minute max per patient. And they don't get to the root cause. It's just like, oh, here, take a pill, you'll be fine. And um, I was working free at a medical clinic and the doctor's like, you're a little bit too effective. You're getting my patients off their medication and they won't come back and see me. <laughs> I go, don't worry. You got a room full of patients. You know, there are those who don't want to work on it. They'll still come back for a quick fix that, you know, the few that do want to get off their medication, I'm willing. And I was offering free service. And so it was kind of funny. She's like, you're too effective. <laughs> yeah, that can be a, a business deal breaker. And that's yeah. why a lot of times it's not looked at, but yeah. Yeah, she eventually said, uh, I can't give you that free room anymore. I got, I got someone that wants to rent it for big bucks. I go, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more of how people can get in touch with you and find out more about your skincare products? We are on skinprobiotics.net in the process of buying skinprobiotics.com. But if you type in skinprobiotics.net, that's skin probiotics, plural. And we have our blog. If you read our blog, it's, it's non-conventional. So I kind of go off on a limb and talk about just simple, simple, cheap way that you can keep yourself healthy. And I simplify everything because the truth is always simple. It's not convoluted and hard to understand. Read my blog and you can order products from there and we ship it directly to you. We have free shipping if you order um, a little bit more than 40 something dollars and all products come to you fresh and we do have money back guarantee on our products if you use it for 30 days exclusively and and you don't get any result at all contact me and i'll just credit your credit card or your paypal account um, it's, it's it's pretty straightforward and we always send you a coupon with your product so if you buy from us you always get a discount coupon for future purchase so yeah, and you can email me, text me, Instagram me. I answer everything every day. Okay, thank you so much for sharing all of that knowledge, especially for people who are already health conscious. Now they know this was, know the questions they should ask when they go to farms and farmers markets because unfortunately now, especially since everyone is getting into this health craze and it's profitable, it's not so clear cut anymore. So thanks yeah. for providing that information because... I was shocked and I'm pretty knowledgeable. So I know that other people are probably in shock too. Oh, <laughs> I didn't mean to shock you, but it is true. You kind of have to, you know, a lot of people just jump on the bandwagon and try to make money off of whatever is hot. But, you know, there are a few people that do it right and support those people that care to take the time and effort to do things right. You'll get 20% off um, your entire purchase. So Okay, thank you so much, Ellie. This was definitely a very eye-opening conversation. I thought we were just going to be talking about skincare, but now <laughs> I know questions to ask the people at the farmer's market. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Wealthier Together podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and share this podcast with a friend.